0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today we're on Wisdom Wednesday in Proverbs chapter number 9. And it's a really sweet proverb that is broken down into a discussion between two different types of ladies. The first lady that we're going to be be seeing is the lady called Wisdom, and the second lady that we're going to be discovering is called folly and it's really neat the way in which these this chapter is broken up and the explanations between the two ladies and what happens when you follow in their particular directions and so we're gonna get down into this right now after this time in prayer Father, we do give you thanks and praise for the blessing of these Wisdom Wednesdays. We've been able to get into the book of Proverbs and been able to feast upon the riches of that which you had given to Solomon. Lord, we understand that not all of Solomon's wisdom came to him in a good fashion, that sometimes, Lord, in order to gain his wisdom, he got down into the depths of folly. And Father, though you had blessed him with an intelligence far beyond. Any other during his period of time, yet still we see that just because a person has a great deal of intelligence or an extremely high IQ, it doesn't mean that they're going to be making the right decisions. And Lord, we need to be a people, no matter how smart we are or how smart we think we are, we need to be a people who lean upon you and trust in you in all of our ways. And Father, we need to know that it is you through your word that is directing our paths and us not leaning on our own understanding. So just bless us with this beautiful teachings that we receive from, from this book of Proverbs and we'll praise you this day in Jesus name and for his sake. Amen. Alright guys, here we are, Proverbs chapter number 9, and we are going to be starting off with a young lady named Wisdom. And she is going to be absolutely gorgeous to us. We should be desiring to know her. We should be desiring to be with her, around her. Unfortunately, we chase after simple entirely too, too much. We're going to see that today. So, let's begin with a reading of this beautiful young lady of wisdom. in verse number one goes forward to say, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also furnished her table. She has sent out her maidens. She cries out from the highest places of the city. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake foolishness, and live, and go in the way of understanding. Now, I'm going to stop at verse number 6, and I'm going to move on down to verse number 13. And I want to introduce you to the foolish woman and so let's go to verse number 13 and read about the foolish woman so it says in verse 13 a foolish woman is clamorous. she is simple and knows nothing for she sits at the door of her house on a seat by the highest places of the city to call to those who pass by who go straight on their way Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Oh my Lord! The the, the very distinct differences between these two ladies are amazing. And so that you would find that at the first lady that we saw, whose house was built, um, and who hewn out the house on her seven pillars, which of course we understand the distinctives of, of numbering at this point, And folks here at Martin, folks down at mortgage, you understand the more you've been around me, the the significance of numbers. Of course, this is a. A house that is complete. This wisdom has built a house that is firm. It stands upon seven pillars. It's the strength of its completeness. And so this wisdom would be the strength of its knowledge that would be the basis by which everything else that's built upon those pillars could stand. And thus, her her meal is prepared. She is giving you something that is more that than the than bread. She's giving you that meat, and that meat is already slaughtered. It's already made. It's prepared. It's perfect for you to be able to receive and to feast upon. She's got her mixed wine, and and what this is is dealing with the with the the phenols in the skins of the of the grapes is pretty exciting. Is that they would. They would take wine and this wine would be an an unfermented grape juice so it would be the the fresh pressed blood of the grape or the juice that comes from direct from the pressing and it would be mingled with water so it would be wine mixed with water and the purpose behind this of course is a purification of the water uh, as it would be in those days, that the, most of your water sources are going to have some some uh, tainting in them. That the phenols of the the grapes that that are pressed in through the natural juices from the skins is going to purify and and bring alive so to speak that water and so this young lady is going to be feeding you a feast that is going to fill you up and make you strong and give you an ability to be able to accomplish whatever it is that you have need to accomplish now it makes sense that wisdom would do this for us. Of course, we go to college because we have a career path in mind. We know that in order to be able to be a CEO of a corporation, we're going to have to study <coughs> those processes and those things that we need to understand in order to operate as a CEO. Because you don't just come out of high school prepared to run a, a multi-billion dollar corporation. You you got there are some processes, there's some some analytics and some things you've got to know before you could do that. So you go to school. why? Because you're trying to get wisdom. And of course the the, the, the courses and the, the course matter that you're going to study through your your master's of Business administration or through your your bachelor's uh, of arts and business management and, and and moving your way up through the schools, systems is so that you can have this keen understanding from those who have paved the way and and left behind those secrets of of a great business administrator so that you would have these courses to be able to start off being really good and then build up from there and 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 so you would gain that wisdom you would become more marketable in the world's corporations because the more you're able to understand the more meat you receive from those courses the the more capable you're going to be and so this is one of the reasons why when you're dealing with uh, the job market and you've you've graduated from a college and you're out there and you're trying to find that particular job that, that lines up with the education that you have received of course these companies are going to be looking at your grade point average because if they if they've got a person with a 4.0 versus a person with a 3.2 they're probably going to take the 4.0 because that the grade point average is supposedly showing them that you understood more, you knew more about the subject, you were able to pass those tests, you were able to demonstrate a, a higher level of understanding than a 3.2. So they're going to go with the 4.0. And that's what wisdom does. Wisdom builds up her house in us, so to speak. She she completes us. And so the wisdom that we have concerning the Word of God is going to bring us to a completion of understanding how we're to live in this life for God. And as being Christians, that's the one singular paramount thing that every single one of us needs to, to have. Where are we going to get it? The only place we're going to get the understanding from is the the word of god it, it isn't going to come from anywhere else and unfortunately based on a conversation that i was having yesterday i've discovered that it really isn't even going to be coming from uh, too many bible colleges or seminaries that are out there anymore nowadays because they've watered down the the education of christ into an education that would blend their students back into the world instead of further separating them from it like we're supposed to that Bible colleges and seminaries would pay attention to the wisdom that is spoken in 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, which is what they're supposed to be teaching in Bible colleges, is the Bible and 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 seminaries supposed to be giving us a keen understanding of the elements of scripture instead of questioning everything and leaving their students wondering if anything is true and not believing anything by the time they graduate, but that they would they would teach them in Second Corinthians chapter number six that, that to come out from among them and be separate and touch not the unclean thing then I will receive you then. I will work through you so that our wisdom is not that wisdom which comes from worldly concepts, that our wisdom is not that wisdom that comes from those things of the world, but that they are gleaned directly from the Word of God, so that we are a transformed people by the renewing of our minds, like Romans 12 and verse 2 would tell us, so that we can chase after that perfect and acceptable will of God for us, and, and thus be able to teach that perfect and, and acceptable will of God but it doesn't work if you're watered down so we've got to keep in the way of wisdom and wisdom in, in her beauty she's got some meat for us i mean this the study of god's things the study of god's word from from the bible itself which is sufficient enough for any other book need not be written but the bible for us to grow from and in these Bible colleges in different places, they, they have you read so many volumes of courses, so many volumes, not of courses, but of, of of works that are written by this guy because he come from their school, or works that are written by that guy, or the other guy, or the other guy, and it, and it ends up, instead of you studying majority of your time in the Word of God, you're studying a majority of your time in all of these other people's ideas about what the Word of God says, and so your heart is so full of other people's ideas that in messages you're quoting from this person, you're quoting from that person, you're quoting from the other person, but you're really not giving anybody the the text of Scripture itself. I don't want to know what these other people have to say about the Bible. Everybody has something to say about the Bible, It's kind of like everybody having opinions. And if you haven't heard my opinion about opinions yet, here it comes. Opinions are just exactly like people's backsides. Okay? Uh, The stuff that's coming out of them all all the time, they stink. (laughs) And and it's never really any good. So... Needless to say, opinions are one thing, but what does the Word of God speak? What does the Word of God itself have to say? Well, as concerning wisdom, you could look at Sigmund Freud, who, by psychology point of view, would try to tell you what wisdom was. You could look at you could look at the the Greek philosophers of old as of the camp of Aristotle or, or any, any of his game, uh, Plato, as it was. We, we could study all of the different philosophies if we wish to try and find and glean the point of wisdom, but thus we come back to the reality that wisdom is of God. And, and the scripture even tells us the fear of God. Take a look down in Proverbs 9 here see verse number 10 and i love the fact that it's verse number 10 because the number 10 in hebrews recognizes judgment it recognizes the 10 commandments and that divinely appointed time for justice or judgment and thus the verse number 10 here in proverbs 9 says the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom that that ties back to proverbs chapter one verse number seven the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge it's the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy one is understanding see this is priceless because when we come to the reality of what true wisdom is it isn't a doctorate degree in 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 physics or biology it isn't a doctorate degree or, or, or of of higher learning it, it, it it's none of these things it's none of this paper that we have before us all of those things are necessary and good for the advancement of our world. There's no question about it. I don't argue the point. But we look at those things as being wisdom. Churches looking for pastors, wanting somebody with a master's degree, or wanting somebody with a doctorate degree. You're totally leaving out the possibility of all of these other great men of the faith who had never even gotten a Bible degree, but who have such a keen connection with, uh, to wisdom from the word of god that that they're completely ignored and overlooked for the reality of these people who who carry a piece of paper but all they are is the school that they came from and their wisdom doesn't come from the word of god powered by the holy spirit but comes from the courses that they learn on how to deliver a message and the honing of that message by the the public speaking engagement where the teachers would critique them to make them perfect. That, that doesn't mean, just because you see a uh, masters or doctor, it doesn't mean this person is capable of, of, of connecting with Christ even. It just means that they went to school for a long time and that they have the, this, this piece of paper. When it comes to the things of God, when it comes to the house of God, The Holy Spirit is who we look for and who we listen for, working through people, not not Bible colleges and pieces of paper. And so a person who attends a Bible college for the purpose of gaining more understanding of the Word of God, but who is filled with the Holy Spirit isn't even in that college for the purpose of gaining that degree, but is there because of the desire to be able to understand better how to convey what the Holy Spirit has put in their heart to speak. Now, there's a person that's priceless. So that you understand I'm not necessarily saying all the time that these these colleges and things are bad. They're not bad on their face. But what they're doing is bad. (laughs) They're trying to replace the wisdom of God's word with their own wisdom, with their own presence. And that's no good. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of a Holy One is that which is understanding. Listen to wisdom. For by me, for wisdom of God, understand the fear of the Lord. For by me, your days will be multiplied and, and your years of life will be added to you. Through wisdom. And you say, well, how is that possible? Well, I'll tell you this, Christian. One thing that we've proven in the United States that is if you ignore the Mosaic law, you're probably going to get yourself into a pickle. Your your life may be shortened. Uh, understand you say, oh, there you go. You're trying to convert us all into Jews. <laughs> you are not being wise, but that's beside the point has nothing to do with Judaism at this point. You realize the United States, we have we have sanitation laws, right? And in all of our states, we have sanitation laws where we either have dumpsters and dump sites for, for folks out in the country, or we have garbage pickup Uh, companies we have city uh, connected garbage pickup because we understand that having garbage around us is only going to draw all kinds of critters toward us that are going to end up uh, getting us diseased and causing death right we understand that we've got to remove our trash from us Well, guess what? In the Mosaic Law, garbage pickup is a reality. That's where we got it from. We understand that that we need need sanitation laws as concerning facilities with running water that are going to cause our waste, rather from the backside or from the front side, our waste, needs to be eliminated from us. As we go to the bathroom, we need that stuff to not be piled up in in, in piles or around the city streets or around the the country yards. We understand that that our waste is something that is just that. It needs to be gotten rid of and, and sent away from us, so we we dig down deep and we put in our tanks and we 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 do all of these different pipings and run all of this water and do all of these things just to be able to keep ourselves from being surrounded by a bunch of human waste and thus the rats and everything else that would come in from it. So we understand that these these are really important and clean ways of living. And by the way, we've increased from being around an average of thirty five years of age being a a a maximum age of grandpas and great-grandpas to around 80 or 90 now. Uh, Where did we get all of that from? You guessed it, Mosaic Law. So, most of what our common society in the United States is today is actually based on derivative of Mosaic Law. So, You say, well, I don't want to be a Jew. Well, you know, if you think that following Mosaic law is making you Jewish, well, guess what? It's too late. You already are. Because even the secular society is in obedience to a great many laws that were established in in Deuteronomy in in Exodus in in uh, numbers a, a lot of our society is actually based on that and so we we really need to understand that that if a society apart from from Jesus if a society apart from Yeshua can follow Mosaic law but but those who claim to be Christian are against mosaic law because they think it's going to make them somehow Jewish or somehow that they're of the new testament and not to follow the old testament you've you've already lost the war <laughs> you have you've got a society without christ that's that is complying gladly with with the the dictates of old testament law and you've got a new testament church that that is refusing to hear anything about that old testament law because it thinks that it somehow converts it to something that it can't you see we're not feasting upon the meat of wisdom at that point we're we're not drinking from the from the the mingled wine at that point to receive instruction and to gain a fear of the lord we're we're kind of high on our own selves at that point which means that we ate something other than what wisdom has to provide we ate what came from that foolish woman who was clamorous in her ways and not knowing anything revealed in verse 13. And and as the the brilliant woman who is known as Wisdom, she sent out her handmaid and cries from the highest places from the city. Well, we look at this foolish woman down in verse number 14. She's not on the highest places calling out to the multitude. Of the people, she's sitting at the door of her house, more more a, akin to the prostitute who's not interested in reaching out to the multitudes of people, but is only interested in snaring one John at a time. She sits at the door of her house, on a seat by the highest places of the city, by the door of her house, not on the highest places with the handmaids going out and, and communicating in public. She's ready to draw them into the house. She calls to those who pass by, who who happen, by the way, to be going straight on their way. So, so her design is to trip up and cause those who would be on a straight path to err from that path. Whereas wisdom would be calling them to that straight path so that they may be able to go forward in the in the goals that wisdom has... This young lady, sitting by the door of the side, is going to entice to fall away from that path. And so that we find wisdom keeps us on a straight path, but folly is often going to cause us to separate ourselves from God's way. And so let's look at folly a little bit just here for a second. She calls those who pass by and go straight on their way. And, and she's looking for people who want to be simple. Not who are simple, but who want to be simple. There are a lot of people who who don't want to carry responsibility anymore. They don't want to carry uh, in, any kind of in, importance. They, they, they just want to be like everybody else. They want to be simple. She says, she's calling to these people in verse 16, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. Hey, I'm willing to take you. Oh, this young lady is willing to take anybody. And in fact, she she absolutely loves those who pride themselves on being not simple so as to draw them in even more with her follies so that they can be discovered as being simple, though they believe themselves to be hyper-intelligent and incapable of simplicity. And she says, as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, stolen water is sweet. (laughs) Stolen water is sweet. Right. Anything stolen is not going to be sweet, especially when you get caught. And the Bible tells us, be sure your sin will find you out. So it's not like you're ever going to be able to hide the sins that you commit from from God. But but this woman... (laughs) She says, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret. Now, in contrast to wisdom, where everything is done in the open, where everything is plain, is bare, where the meat has been prepared and slaughtered and made ready, and where the savor of the foods and the and the blessings of the mingled wine are for everyone to smell... And, and to enjoy, to eat. Not this foolishness. Foolishness is something done in secret. Foolishness is something done in, in, in the wickedness of theft. He's stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But look at verse number 18. He does not know that the dead are there, <laughs> that her guests are in the depths of hell. And that is the direction of those who who feast upon that which is stolen, who feast upon those things done in secret. Look at the, the, the point of bread, where foolishness would only offer a bread that would be given to you. Wisdom offers you meat, something that is sustaining to you. Now... Can we live off bread? Well, during the times that Proverbs was being written, yes, you probably could live off bread because during this period of time, the the farming practices and the, the planting practices and the actual seed grains would be of a much better consistency and non-genetically modified scenario than what we face today. Paleo wheat which, by the way, still is a marketed thing, you still can find, actually has nutrients that are good for you. However, <laughs> anything that you buy at the store that is enriched, if, you, if you're looking at a, a bag of bread that you might look at the store, you're looking at maybe flour, you're looking at these different things that you would buy to be able to make baked items or what have you, and you're looking at them, and, and on the package somewhere, it's called Enriched this is this is already non-nutritious no matter how much you might want it to be nutritious no matter how much you might want it to be able to be good for you it's not because enriched means that every ounce of nutrition that could have originally been in those seed grains or in those things to be able to to provide the natural source nutrition that we need has been eliminated from it it's it's been steamed out of it it it's been it's been Uh, just completely removed and so in the enriched process is synthetic vitamins that would be pumped back into this by chemical mixture into say the doughs before they are sent through the bakery in order to be able to be sectioned off into uh, bags of loaves of bread which I I was watching how things are made it's a show on on the discovery channel uh, how things are made and bread bread as mass marketed was one of those things we were watching being made and i thought oh i will never buy another bag of bread (laughs) that was absolutely disgusting to watch that that process happen, and and at that, when it's enriched, everything that could have been natural source good for you is completely removed from it, and, and a synthetic chemical vitamins would be put back into it, which your body cannot use, and so you could eat that bread all day long and feel like you're full, but get no nutrition from it, and ultimately starve to death by it. <clears throat> <clears throat> that's pretty sad, isn't it? But that's the way that this folly works. She's giving you the bread and the bread is, is laced with, with maltodextrin, which is a nasty chemical mixture that would create a, a sweet taste to us as a binding agent Uh, she would give to us the sugars that would cause us to to then become addicted Uh, as sugar literally transforms the molecules of our brain that causes us an addiction to that to sugar and so that you you would you would have this bread that you would think was absolutely good for you because it tastes good because you you think that the the government says this is a part of your daily recommended allowance of grains and this and that and the other, so you think that all of these things are really good for you from these different sources. About like Satan telling the woman that the that the fruit was good uh, to eat, that it was one to make her wise. I mean, you know, he he used the same uh, processes that that we have in our lives by by standards and all of this other stuff, Satan used the exact same things to cause a woman to fall because he he brought her in as being simple. He brought Adam in as being simple. he he lied to them, he coerced them. he he fooled them and ultimately he snared them by his call and so they fell. And this is the challenge that we face uh, as being simple people, even though we walk with God daily, even though we learn directly from from the holiness of God Himself, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, it's still so easy because of our natural state, because of our flesh, (coughs) to fall. It's entirely possible. And so that we look at one thing here before we finish, and that is the reality of the blessing, but the reality of, of keeping our wisdom without falling into the trap of the folly. Verse number 7 shows us this. He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself, and he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Verse 8, Do not correct a scoffer, lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. So, in this section here, you see how to deal with the fool. So as we met wisdom in the first couple of verses, and then we went down to verse number 13, and we met folly and and the foolish woman versus the wise woman, and then we met the blessing of verse number 10 and and the instruction and the wisdom of a person that will increase in learning and, and become wiser still because their fears in the Lord and the and they have that beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One, they have that understanding, so that they will continue to increase on that. But we then saw the contrast of that, of those who were drawn into the house of foolishness that would eat the bread of, of wickedness and drink the water from her cisterns that would that would cause them to perish and go down in the pits of hell. Well, those who are headed for destruction are, will not be corrected if you try to argue with them. You you see it all the time in these raging debates uh, on the creation front, creation versus evolution sort of thing, where the fool who's following after evolution, that, that on its face, even though they're sitting there trying to describe evolution, they're trying to bring forth points of evolution they're, they're they're doing everything that they can to refute this this christian this this person who believes that that god created everything they're making themselves look even more foolish trying to argue against god than than they would be had they sat there and just listened and and considered the, the difference of idea to what they believe, so they're fighting for their own religion with everything that they've got, not being willing to hear any other side, regardless of that side. And so that there's no possible way that they could be corrected. There's no possible way that that they could be that they could be set straight because they are certain that their way is true and that everyone else is false. You'll even hear evolutionists argue against evolutionists because the the false concept that one has is different from the false concept that the other have. And remember, in any debate, one side could be right which means the other side could be wrong, vice versa, or both sides could be wrong and no one be right. But, of course, both sides, they can't be right. And so... We, we find this scenario where you've got an evolutionist arguing against an evolutionist that both sides are wrong and so they will, they will end at scoffing at each other because there is no possible way to be able to prove one point more closely than another as being true. So they just have to end up scoffing at each other. And likewise, when they come into a battle against someone who is of the, the creation mindset, who is revealing God in His handiwork, that they they cannot refute those things which are evident to people as they look outside their windows or look up into the sky at night. They cannot refute those things which God has revealed in His Word, and in, into the evidences of those things which we are able to see in this world, and how they came to came to pass. So they just result to scoffing at you, and 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 trying to make you look like an idiot, trying to make you look bad. And the, and the Scripture says, "Forsake foolishness and live." The scripture says whoever tries to correct a scoffer is going to bring shame to themselves because a scoffer is not going to be corrected. The point of their scoffing is to try and make you look like an idiot because they can't argue against you. So, to try and correct a scoffer is only going to bring shame to you. So, well, what do you do then? Uh, well, I'm the wrong person to ask that because at that point of being scoffed at, it's just time to switch gears and bury them <laughs> under the weight of their own ignorance. Bury them under the weight of, of their own foolishness. It's not correcting them, it's burying them. <laughs> but that's just the way I do things. <laughs> I wouldn't suggest that you do that. Uh, And and it goes down in verse number 7 and says, He who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself because it, it, it to to try and rebuke a wicked person is only to have that person turn on you and and try to harm you they, they might be angry at you they might be drunk and they might try to come after you and and assault you and 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 do wicked things to you if you try to rebuke the direction of their life he says in verse number eight do not correct a scoffer lest he hates you this isn't going to work, but rebuke a wise man and he'll love you. So, you know, if if you get after somebody like somebody is, is talking about something, you say, no, that isn't right. This this is what is true. And they say, oh, you know what? I didn't think about that before. Thanks for letting me know that um, and and appreciates the fact that you would set the record straight. That's a person who desires knowledge. That's a person who desires God. But even in the house of God, if somebody's saying something, you say, no, that isn't correct. The the scripture says this, and they say, well, you think you know it all? And they just start snapping at you. This is a person that is not walking with God, don't care if they go to church. This is a person not connected to the Holy Spirit of God, which is going to display gentleness and and kindness and and patience and and love and joy and peace. They start barking and fussing because you actually corrected them. The gall of that, they're displaying the fact that they're not filled with the Spirit. They're displaying the fact that they're not a Christian. <clears throat> just because you go to church don't make you Christian. Just just because you go to Bible studies and you show up every time the doors open, don't even mean you're a Christian. Doesn't mean anything. It's the same thing that you do with work. So keep that in mind. What a powerful truth we have today. I hope that Proverbs 9 is a blessing to you that you read it and study over it from the perspective of verses 1 through 3 and the verses of 13 and 14 and 15 because that's the difference that's the the comparison contrast of the poetry that we find written by Solomon in the in the Proverbs here is wisdom versus foolishness, and the way that each one of them operates, and the and the foods that each of them provides, and the strength that wisdom can give, and the the wasting away that foolishness will will give, the the reality of how they call to you and how they try to draw you with that which is stolen versus that which is prepared. Uh, this oh, it's just good. Think on these things. Father, we thank you and praise you, asking your blessing upon us as we consider this beautiful proverb today. Just bless us with it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, God bless you, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, and I'll catch you tomorrow for more of 1 Corinthians chapter number 7 as I get myself even deeper in trouble with the beautiful subject of marriage from the perspective of Paul. Amen. God bless.